Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast, the only podcast that cares about Scottish rugby. We are back after a two-week hiatus. I know you've been missing us all. Um, unfortunately, this week, it is just me and Alan. Alan, how are you doing? Boom, nailed it on take five. Well done, <laughs> mate. Absolutely killing it. That was only take two, to be perfectly honest with everyone. Um, yeah, as the fans amongst you have noticed, Dave is not chairing the pod this week. Um, he is, unfortunately, in Miami undergoing surgery on his turkey neck. It's, it's been needing to happen for a long time. Too. Yeah, they don't call him the fat pregnant owl for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so um, forgive us if there are any technical hitches or problems with my presenting or voice. Um, it's difficult to replicate the dulcet tones of Dave Leslie, but we're going to give it um, our, our best shot. So welcome back to those listening um, via iTunes or the iTunes, uh, ACAS, sorry, podcast app. Um, Please do leave us a review. It really, really helps um, with our ratings and everything. Like our good friend, Jock888, with the title, Bra. Five stars, obviously. And he says, parochial, but that's why we like it. Nobody loves us but ourselves, and that's why we need to talk amongst ourselves. Keep it up, fellas. Thanks so much, Jock888. What do you think of that, Alan? I think, yeah, absolutely fair. Nobody is talking about Scottish rugby, and therefore, (laughs) we need to do it. Yeah, exactly. We do our best. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at ThistleRubbyPod. Um, we tend to put some pretty questionable analysis slash banter up on there, so please uh, feel free to interact with us there. Um, got a really special episode ahead today. Um, we have Gary Heatley of the Scrum Magazine and a longtime sports journalist um, coming on to talk 
mainly about the club game in Scotland and a few of his thoughts on uh, the pro game and Scotland as well. Um, so make sure to listen out for that. Um, we're also, also going to be talking about the pro team's fortunes over the last two weeks, some fairly contrasting um, fortunes for Edinburgh and Glasgow. Um, and we'll sort of delve into the news as well. That was good. That was real was good. That, was that all right? Yeah, that, was that, that professional that, enough? That was actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I'm sweating. <laughs> um, so, first of all, let's let's look at the news. I reckon the, the big news coming out in the last week is these Russell rumours that won't go away. Yeah, I mean, it's not brand new news. There's been sort of rumours about um, Finn Russell sort of moving to either England or France for sort of the last 12 months. And we've sort of heard through sort of sources that um, he had... They have spoken to sort of a few people, a few other clubs around. Um, it's just always a bit weird, the clubs that seem to be linked to him. I know last year we had sort of Montpellier, who have both Aaron Cruden and Francois mm. Stein. And now the sort of main club initially was sort of Racing Metro, who have Dan Carter and Pat Lambie, who are like both pretty sweet. Yeah, it's really bizarre. Like, how is he going to get a game at either of those clubs? Yeah. Chad, maybe a swap deal for Carr? For like the final year of his contract. <laughs> what, Carter for a year in Glasgow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd get Dave Rennie to use his New Zealand connections. Exactly. That would be incredible. Um, but no, you were saying what, Toulon is the one that's been chucked I, I around saw, I saw Toulon um, chucked in the mix today on BBC. And Worcester Warriors seems to be kicking around. Doesn't really go away. Um, I'm not really that, that enthused about any of the moves, to be honest. I think going to France is, is bad for a young guy's career. And... If he is going to go down to the Prem, I think he can do far better than than someone like Worcester, who might be relegated this way anyway, uh, year anyway. So. That is true. Um, I think the two, one thing about Worcester is the chat is that Ben Teal's leaving, which mm. obviously frees up a lot of cash yeah, in the books yeah. for them to get in someone like Finn Russell. And the issue with the Premiership, because I think we've said repeatedly that we'd rather Finn Russell, if he was to move, move to the Premiership or the um, top 14 is none of the top clubs really need mm. a 10. Yeah. Northampton Saints were maybe the only one, uh, but now they've basically put all their eggs in the uh, Dan Bigger mm. basket. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just not really sure what club would really need him. Like, obviously, Finn Ross is a top player, but when you've got sort of Farrell, Cipriani, Ford, and even Steenson, who yeah, for yeah. Exeter is just like exactly the sort of player they need, it's hard to sort of envision any other clubs apart from maybe Worcester, Gloucester, and Sale. Yeah, those seem like kind of the clubs where, you know, he could go down there and do well. I think it, it would be a different style of rugby and expose him to sort of different bits of the game, particularly sort of his kicking and control. But I still think it's a bit of a step. that I would say that Glasgow are as good, if not slightly better, than all three of those premiership clubs. Absolutely. And there's no bamboo nightclub in Worcester, I'll tell you that much for free. There's one called Tramps. <laughs> it's it's a real quiet old time. <laughs> um, and yeah, sort of 450k kicking around. Do you think that SRU are going to stump up that kind of cash? Um, I don't know if the SU are going to stump up that cash, but I'd be surprised if he goes for anything less than half a mil. I think maybe that mm. that seems 450 seems to be getting banned around. But what Dan Bigger getting 750? Yeah, uh, 650, 750. Like, if Dan Bigger is getting 650, 750, Finn Russell's got to be getting mm. close to that. And yeah, I think so. I mean, I saw Dave Rennie was interviewed today saying, you know, we we really want to keep him, obviously. Um, if if he goes, if he stays, it's not going to be on nearly that much money. So he seems to be sort of saying, well, look, we're not going to fold just for you. It's not a special case. And I think the only player in Scotland who's getting close to that is Hogg. 
mm. who seems to have some weird situation where the SRU are paying and then some sort of like corporate sponsors paying is that right? some of his salary as well to like top up. Well, Edinburgh did that with Ross Ford. Aberdeen Asset Management paid a big chunk of his contract. Money well spent. They're not spent. Are they investors? investors? <laughs> <laughs> what is the ROI on that yeah, investment? Yeah, exactly. It's been, it's been poor. It's been below market rates. Um, yeah, well, no, it'll be interesting to see. I think, um, I think obviously we'd be sad to see Finn leave, but hopefully, you know, I'm still not 100% convinced by Hastings, but hopefully what during mm. the on internationals, he'll get a bit more game time. I think Rui Jackson's still looking pretty good. They've got... <sighs> get off the Rui Jackson bandwagon. He's an OK 15. I just want him to fight me skateboarding, all right? <laughs> um, and I actually think, you know, Brandon Thompson, I'm not sure exactly what the situation is there, but... He's, he's on the bench tomorrow night for his first involvement, so see, yeah. what, see what he's like. It'd be interesting to see what he can do. Um, do you see the other Russell news coming out this week after the Sean O'Brien stuff? Yeah. With I the Lions. I listened to the rugby pod, actually. Yeah. Not, not that we're plugging other pods, but so people haven't heard, um, supposedly Finn Russell um, at the time was basically just holding tackle bags the whole training, um, had a bib on wasn't really allowed to train or properly kick with the whole team and just didn't feel part of the whole Lions experience at all. So um was telling Jim Jim Hamilton that he was finding the whole experience, you know, a bit, left him with a bit of a sour taste in his mouth. Yeah, and I think the, the one story that really sort of struck me was, I think they were saying for the second test, that Brian O'Driscoll was presenting the jerseys to the sort of match 23 and people like Finn Russell weren't even invited to yeah. the... Um, to sort of the jersey giving ceremony, which when you're sort of, you know, in a squad just seems like a really strange way to treat sort of your your players that aren't aren't in that sort of match day squad. But I know we've we've moaned about Gatland lots and lots. Yeah, and we're right. <laughs> and we're right, clearly. Look, everyone hated him. Yeah, no, he is an asshole, but <laughs> it's uh but you know, it's you know, hopefully hopefully he comes out of it a mm. bit stronger. It's just annoying that he got taken away from the Scotland squad. Yeah. For yeah, no. for the summer internationals. It would have been good to have that sort of continuity and it feels like he's sort of been pulled away. We sort of lost to Fiji and he's kind of just not really gonna have gained very much from it. Apart from about seventy thousand pounds. Well, that and I mean poor guy's gonna have to move to the south of France soon for some serious wedge. So yeah. he's had a tough time as Finn. Um moving on to other Glasgow related news been a, a few bits of signing updates um the Ryan Grant saga seems to be kind of resolved he's signed a short-term deal having played a bit of uh, air what do you make of that yeah well I think it was was it Mark Palmer said for the sort of second time in Ryan Grant's career Edinburgh have passed him and Glasgow have sort of <laughs> take take si- signed him up as a prop is he a tight head or a loose head I have literally no idea <laughs> because so. Edinburgh at the moment are supposedly having a tight head crisis yeah well, some sort of propping crisis so because Rizzo's so Rizzo's now been banned for um for four weeks um but no look I think the thing about Ryan Grant is he seems to come across really really well mm. in based all his interviews and you know he he did play at a world-class level only sort of four years ago yeah and let's hope he can sort of rediscover some of that form mm. um because I think you know, it's been great to see Jamie Batty and um, Xander Ferguson's playing playing at that level, but you know they are young guys and really sort of attritional in the front row, playing week in week out. And you want to have as much strength and depth as sort of possible at that level. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the other signing news was Matt Ferguson getting his first professional contract and Bobby Beattie signing a 
was that, de- was that a full pro contract or a development? I'm not 100% sure, to be honest, because obviously he... So, starting with Bobby Beatty, he was playing Scotland Sevens mm. last year, sort of played relatively well, and sort of heard that he's been playing pretty well for Glasgow... Wo- Hawks, yeah. Glasgow Hawks yeah. at the start of this season. So, it's good. I think, you know, looking back to when the Scotland Sevens set up was nearly sort of canned, and sort of see the amount of players that are have really sort of used it as a stepping stone mm. to either kind of get their careers back on track, like your Lee Joneses, or really using it as a stepping stone to move from sort of club rugby up into that international, uh, sorry, up into the Pro 14. Mm. It's, um, no, it's good to see someone like that sort of making the step up. And on the Matt Ferguson point, just the first step on his eventful journey to being <laughs> a 2021 line. Co- yeah, you heard it here first. You did hear Big it Big call first. from Alan. Um, but no, good to see. I mean, I think obviously, I think he's on the bench this weekend. He's sort of started a game this season. I think, is he still only 18 or has he just turned 19? I think he might have just turned 19, but I mean, he's he's still silly young. Still <laughs> an a- number eight. Still an absolute beast. And, uh, you know, I think um, we've been sort of massively impressed by his performances at the back end of last season and the beginning of this season. And um, no, I think hopefully this autumn international period is sort of the bit where he can really sort of kick on. Yeah, definitely. Um, you you mentioned the Scotland Sevens there, um, which leads me on nicely to the fact that the the core squad for the twenty seventeen twenty eighteen uh, World Seven Series has been has been announced. Um, quite a few sort of stalwarts have remained there. Still got Stu My Legend, Scott Riddle captaining. Um, you got the likes of you know Joe Nyasavau, the you know lad from Kinross, is it? You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, Kakodi. Kakodi. Oh, sorry. Um, Hugh Blake. And then you've got some other interesting names in there. And I'm going to pick out first, Jack Cuthbert. What, what is going on there? What about it? He's like 50. <laughs> he just left <laughs> left Jersey, came on the scene, and then Scotland 7s start absolutely crushing it on the 7th I'm second. sorry, they can get someone in that's better than Jack Cuthbert. What? Me. I'll, I'll do a better job <laughs> than Jack Cuthbert. You, look, Jack Cuthbert is solid. He's a solid operator. Um... But no, I think, you know, they're missing, lost quite a few big names, though. They have. Scott White, Mark Robertson, and uh, George Horn, probably three standout players yep. from last year. Um, three players who also can just really just, like, make something happen. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also, I thought Scott White, I, don't, I think Mark Robertson and George Horn have got a lot of the plotters, but I also thought Scott White is just a real classy Yeah, classy really, operator. really intelligent, knows what he's doing. Um, so I think it doesn't, apart from Scott Riddle, maybe sort of lacking a little bit of leadership in... in yeah, yeah. I mean, I st- you still got the likes of um, kind of James Fleming, Jamie Farndale, um, Doogie Fife as well, Jimmy Johnson, who are all pretty experienced. Yeah. Um, but it's it's also good to see a few of the club guys coming into it. So Sam Pecker, uh, Melrose Wingers, I think is top try scorer this season so far in Prem 1. Uh, Harvey Elms, who... In the last few years, done really good job for Kari. Really exciting, sort of broken field runner. Um, and according to our Twitter fans, been doing pretty well when he he sort of stepped up to national training. Um, and Robbie Ferguson, who I think he'd been training with Glasgow in the summer after playing at London Scottish, um, and seems to sort of still be on the radar of at least some sort of pro pro team. So he's he's a nice player to have. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how those guys go. Yeah, no, and you know. It's a it's a team that seems to have sort of developed like massively over the last two or three years, and you know the bar has actually been set pretty high mm. off off the back end of last year. But no, exciting times, definitely. Um, so 
as as mentioned, said so to be um, speaking to to Gary Heatley this week. Um, Gary's been a journalist for thirteen years now, mainly focusing on rugby um, under the GH Media name. Um, and for the last decade, he's been involved in the editorial team at the Scrum Magazine, um, which does a really good job of documenting um, Scottish club rugby, uh, and is soon to reach its hundredth issue. Um, and without further ado, here is our chat with Gary. So delighted to say we're joined on the line by Gary Heatley. Gary, how are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. No, not at all. Absolute pleasure. Um, so just for people who, who don't know about, about the work that you've done, can you maybe just sort of give a, an introduction to sort of the, the sports journalism you've been involved in and your work for the Scrum magazine? Yeah, so I guess probably got into sports journalism about 13 years ago, which is going pretty quick. But um, yeah, got into sports journalism, really keen to obviously you know, cover, cover up as many sports as I could but then about 10 years ago the scrum was being started up and the guys got me involved from the from issue one and we've just uh, just put to press this week issue 99 so we're kind of uh, it's been a long a long slog but a really exciting 10 years can't believe it's that long that we've been working on the magazine and uh, yeah it's really been great to kind of be involved in, in Scottish rugby all, all that time we're, we're kind of looking forward to issue 100 which is coming out just before the before the autumn test and there's obviously so much going on at the minute at various different levels that there's still always plenty to talk about and since the evolution of social media and everything else that just uh, more topics pop up mm. in your inbox every every day so it's uh, yeah it's been a really exciting really exciting few years to be involved and, and since you've been um, covering the game for that long coming up to the 100th issue what sort of um, evolution have you seen in the Scottish club game what have been the sort of major changes for, for the better and for the worse I suppose yeah, in terms of the the club game, I think it's it's definitely moved on a level in terms of what's expected of players. Um, you know, it's no no longer just rushing back Tuesday, Thursday after work for training. I think most guys that play BTP will be in the gym three, four times a week. Though most of them eat a lot better, uh, you know, look after themselves a lot better. I and mean, there's still going to be the the old school club players that are still in there. But I think you know clubs expect a lot more from from players now, especially in the first fifteen. So I think that's. You know, that's obviously helped the level of the game moved on, but it's also maybe created a bit of a gap um, you know, below first 15 squads because other guys can't commit to that mm. sort, of, sort of level. But certainly in the, in the BT Premiership, the, the standard has, has really moved on. You know, A lot of people say that the pro draft is, is not a good thing. I think it's it's really great because if you're an 18, 19-year-old and you get to play you know, alongside a professional, you know, you know Greg Peterson, a USA International, has been playing at Mar recently and... Mm. You know, for the young guys at Mar to play alongside someone like that can only only be a good thing if the pros buy into the buy into it, of course, which some some haven't done over the years. Um, I think in the Premiership it's great at the minute the number of young young coaches that are there. I mean, most of the coaches are kind of under thirty five, I guess. And there's the likes of Finn Gillis still in his twenties, mm. uh, Steve Laurie, Ben Cairns, Callum Forrester. You know, they're all, and I think they're all really keen to push on their careers from a club club game into professional games. So. So they're kind of drip feeding things from their own careers that they've had as well into the club game. So I think there has been a big change. I mean, I think one sort of or number of down down points of that is that with the movement of players now, with maybe money being available or you know club sponsors getting players involved, um, you know I think a lot of maybe supporters have kind of lost their identity a wee bit with the first fifteens because there's not so many local guys in, in some of the teams, and I think that can yeah definitely you know. In, in clubs, especially, that's a that's a big thing. You know, professional rugby maybe not so much, but in clubs, definitely. Um, so clubhouses aren't as, as busy on a Saturday perhaps as they as they used to be. But I know a lot of clubs are working 
much harder now with each other to try and get opposition along and you know make a day of it rather than just a, a match. So so these things always happen. But yeah, I think the the movement of players has certainly certainly moved on at a pace, I guess. But but yeah, no, I think the, the BT Premiership this year so far has been been a good level. There's obviously still the the real problem of the gap between that and the professional game. But I think it's uh, if people went along to a BT Premiership game on a Saturday, they wouldn't be wouldn't be disappointed, really. Yeah, I mean the amount of tries that are mm. getting scored in the Premiership is pretty is pretty ridiculous. And actually, some of the rugby you see that sort of like Melrose are playing and the Hawks mm. are playing under actually Finlay Gillis, it's actually just like a really attractive brand of rugby. Yeah, no, I think that you're right. I mean, I've, I've been to a game every week so far this year, and there's yeah been been a lot of tries in all the games. And I think uh, if you watch the sort of highlight packages on a Monday, there's some really great tries, and teams are being sort of. Uh, you know, taught that way. The coaches are are saying, "Let's go out and play play rugby." Stirling County as well have been one this year who've really come on with Peter Jerusovic and, and Ross Curl. Mm. You need these experienced guys around you, but that's really kind of helping younger guys to to come on quicker. I think so. You know, and even the teams that have been losing, there's been a lot of losing bonus points, four tries here and there. I guess defence coaches won't be too happy, but if you were <laughs> just to pop along to watch, you know, mm. that's what you want to see. Really. You talked about the gap between um, Premiership Rugby and sort of the Pro 14. What are your thoughts on the sort of Super 6 and um, the plans to kind of create this sort of semi-pro tier almost between the Premiership and uh, the Pro 14? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly been the topic of, of discussion in clubhouses the last, the last month or so since the, since the AGM. And I think there's still going to be a lot, a lot of talk to come. Um, you know, there does need to be something. They've also tried to create the BT Academy to, to kind of buffer that and you're we're starting to see now the academy guys coming through a lot quicker to professional game. I think this week Matt Fagerson signed a professional deal, and you know, so guys are, are ready for pressure really quicker. Um, I guess the SOU's plan is you know, the Super Six would make more players, you know, ready to step up to that level. Mm. I just think from from club perspectives, there's a lot of things to be discussed. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of club players sort of below first fifteens worry that they're they'd be losing you know, losing their first fifteen, or the club would be losing its identity by by uh, by the club effectively becoming a franchise in the Super Six, so that, that's something to be looked at. Um, if you're a young player coming through now and you've got aspirations to play rugby, you know if you're 17, 18 at the minute and it starts in two years' time, I think you'd be you'd be pretty excited about the opportunities. But if you're maybe a young, uh, sorry, an older player, you're maybe slightly concerned as to where that leaves you. And uh, you know, I think it's going to be very difficult if the Super Six is a is payment to players and below that's to be no payment at all. I think that's going to be a pretty tough thing for for anybody to regulate, it could get a bit, could get a bit messy. But you know, I'm certainly not. I've not really made up my own mind yet, which probably sounds like I'm sitting on the fence. But I think there's still a lot more detail that needs to needs to come out on the whole the whole issue. And uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see who who, who goes for it. I mean, obviously the likes of Melrose and Air seem to be the front runners, but there's a lot of talk of clubs kind of coming together to put together a sort of merged merged team. And whether that comes to fruition, obviously I think Aberdeen, although Aberdeen Grammar have not been in the top flight for a couple of years they're, they're talking about it apparently so yeah so yeah it's definitely going to be an interesting few months to see where, where that goes Is uh, so you've obviously been in um, sports journalism for 13 years and I think probably when you started it was what 2004 you've, you've seen a lot of terrible Scottish performances uh, <laughs> over the years how you know looking at Scotland now and sort of you know really sort of being able to sort of challenge for um the Six Nations and and sort of getting first win against Wales last year. Um, what's been sort of the main changes at a national level that you've seen over the last thirteen years? 
yeah, thanks for reminding me that it was 2004. That seems like a, <laughs> seems like a, a long time ago. But uh, yeah, I mean, if, as you say, I've probably seen my fair share of fair share of pretty poor games, and it's hard to think back that that long. So most of the players are probably retired now. But uh, yeah, in terms of where they're at now, I think they're in a great place. I don't think the you know the Vern Cotter situation was probably handled handled the best. I think everybody wanted Gregor Townsend to be the Scotland coach at some point, and he was always going to be that. Um, it just seemed to be a bit of a strange way that it was kind of it panned out. But now that you know Vern's doing okay in, in, in France, I'm sure he'll be mm. uh, he'll be enjoying his uh, red wine over there and things. So I think he'll be fine. But uh, with Gregor in place now, you know he really kicked on in the summer tour, and I think um, you know obviously disappointing the, the Fiji result. But I think uh, you know it's great to have a young a young Scottish coach who's got so much respect throughout the country at the at the helm. And I think that one of the sort of most underrated guys that's involved now is, is Dan McFarlane, the forwards coach. Yeah. I think if you speak to a lot of the Warriors players who've worked under him the last couple of years, he, he sounds like the most detailed, um, most detailed and kind of uh, analytical coach that there is. You know, some some players don't don't like that getting feedback. It I think he sends emails at six in the morning and things. But for other <laughs> players, you can see what he's done for for some of the youngsters. You know, just as examples, I suppose Andrew Fagerson. I think he's done a lot of work with him and. Yeah. So I think mm. the way that Townsend and McFarlane work together is, is really good. And Matt Taylor is obviously a pretty proven coach. So yeah, I think and, and the core of the, the team, the youngsters, although they're not young anymore, I guess the likes of you know Finn Russell, Johnny Gray, Stuart Hogg, they, you know, they they really have taken Scotland to to the next level. And I think mm. they're going to pull along the next generation, the Bradburys, the Richies, the Matt Fagersons, Ali Price. They're going to drag those guys along with them. So I think it's uh, it's all looking pretty positive. Yeah, definitely. Um, in term, you mentioned a few of those young guys there. Um, have you seen anyone sort of come up through the club game and then to the pro game and then the the, the national team? And um, what do you think about the pathways that seem to be sort of constantly improving within the SRU? Yeah, it's an interesting one, actually. I mean, there there have been guys, I guess, go through the whole the whole route, but the ones that are the very top. You know, who have always been sort of destined for it, tend to play maybe one season in the in the BT Premiership and then kind of move on. But there's, mm. uh, you know, there's I think there is a lot more. You know, if you look at Curry, where they've got, you know, I think I'm not sure how many academy players they've got there now, but their team must be average age of sort of 21, 22. The likes of Luke Crosby, Harvey Elms, these kind of guys who just Harvey just got a Scotland Sevens contract. They've played two, three years of rugby, so when they're 21, they've already played six, 60, 70 senior games of rugby. Yeah. And, I think, for example, a guy like Crosby, who's a back row, who played for Edinburgh in the pre-season, they seem to be realising themselves that they have to push on a lot quicker and they're taking on leadership roles at their clubs a lot earlier. Um, you know, I mean, I mentioned Matt Ferguson before, I think he only played maybe sort of 10 games for Glasgow Hawks last year, but he played probably the same amount for, for the Warriors when he was straight out of school. Um, but when they go back to the club, they, you know, they're kind of leaders at 18-19, which is, which is great to see. And I think they're you mentioned Finn Gillis at Hawks. I think they're giving young players a lot more um, opportunity to be to be leaders or to be kind of the core of the team, and they're not treating them as kids. Um, and I think that will only help these guys to to kind of push on. I know Karim Barreto, the scrum half who plays for Mar, mm. he was training with Glasgow a lot over the summer, and uh, I think you know the other scrum halves were really impressed with him. So right. I think these kids have higher expectations on themselves now that they can do it mm. now, not in five years' time. You know that they can be ready. If they need to play Pro 14 or whatever, they'll be ready. Mm. Now, I, I suppose one of the difficulties is um, 
there not being enough chances for these guys to play because there are only two pro teams. What what are your thoughts on a third pro team and where do you think that could possibly be a, a viable option? Yeah, I mean, as you say, the, the third pro team, I guess that's probably been in, been in discussion for almost as long as I've been working in sports journalism since the borders went, I guess. But uh, I think one of the problems with, with that is, uh, you know, Edinburgh's recent kind of results and finishes in the league won't be helping any sort of um, promotion of a third team because, mm. you know, if, if, you're, if, you're two, if you're two teams, Glasgow and Edinburgh are both finishing in the top top four as it was and now it'll be top threes of their conferences every year, then, uh, you know, you could say, right, there's definitely scope there for, for another team. But now with 14 teams in that league, I'm just not sure whether the league, the league uh, would, would, would need another Scottish team and more more so in Scotland, whether there is still that desire. I mean, I know last year there was, you know, a lot of mention there, Scottish rugby were getting more outside investment. Uh, we haven't really heard too much about that yet, so we're not sure, you know, which new which new sponsors are going to bring on board. Obviously, they've got BT back on board with a sort of a new deal, but uh, you need sort of another couple of big players like that, I would think, to to even look at, yeah. look at a third pro team and... We talked about the Super Six, you know, the, the figures that are being talked about for running those clubs, I think are, you know, I think you're going to need a lot more money to perhaps run those clubs as they need to be run. So as life moves on, the, the, the more money is needed. Um, and, you know, a third pro team would obviously be a great vehicle for, for players. It's just yeah, from a business point of view and from a, yeah, from a pro 14 or 15 or 16, whatever it's going to become point of view, is it going to be feasible in the next three, four years? I'm not quite sure. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Is there, on the, the last thing, you know, he's been the sort of main talking point of the last sort of month. What, what's been your thoughts on uh, Cockrell since he's come into Edinburgh? Yeah, no, I've really, uh, it's been enjoyable getting to, getting to chat to him. I think, um, you know, people said, oh, he was being hidden away from the press and things, but he's, I think I've probably spoken to him more than we've spoken to a lot of other coaches. And he's, he's very open and honest. I mean, obviously they got off to, you know, a good start to get two wins to win in Cardiff and then uh, to win the home game was obviously good. It's obviously, you know, a couple of defeats since then, but, you know, they could have been saying 0-4 the way that the, <laughs> the way that the squad was and the, yeah. the way the squad were kind of feeling at the end of last season. So I don't think it's as much doom and gloom as perhaps, you know, obviously the, the de- defeat to Benetton wasn't wasn't ideal and was, a, you know, as Richard himself said, a terrible performance, but to still won two games so far and I think... Uh, some players have really come on under him. Talk about that sort of leadership thing again. Obviously, making Bradbury captain was a, a big call, but you can see already that he's kind of, you know, he still needs to learn the sort of nuances of talking to the referees and that sort of thing. But in terms of his play, he's come on a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jamie Ritchie alongside him, I think those two are going to really come on. Um, but in general, I think, you know, Cockrell will be good for Edinburgh. I think you need time. I know you don't get that in sport, so... They've got another tough game, obviously, this weekend, and he's made a few changes, which, you know, um, maybe maybe a few too many, it looks like, but, you know, you need to give guys a give guys a rest. And, um, yeah, I think he's still sort of getting to know his squad and getting to know which players he can kind of trust in the big the big games. They've got an interesting run coming up with sort of European games and off to Russia and things like that. So, yeah. so I think he needs a bit of time. He's only, you know, they've only had four league games. And, uh, yeah, I think he'll... he'll He'll come good, you know, when you're starting at such a low point, it's kind of difficult. But I think he'll, uh, <laughs> I think he'll come good eventually. Yeah. Well, so to wrap up, 
Um, over your sort of thirteen-year period as a journalist, what's uh, what's your best story covering Scottish rugby, if you have one? Well, best story. I'm not quite sure. I was thinking about this earlier. I think. Well, I've just you know, there's a. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently: Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home. You have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Been a lot of highs and a lot of lows, obviously, watching the game, but I think the most pleasing or most exciting thing for me is seeing seeing young players come through luckily the scrum because we cover kind of from the, the grassroots level up you know you interview a lot of players when they're still at school and things and then five years later you see them playing for Scotland and it's quite a quite a buzz to see these guys and also see how they've how they've grown you know I mentioned those two guys earlier Magnus Bradbury and Jamie Ritchie although he's not got a Scotland cap yet but I remember speaking to both of those guys when they were still still at school and uh, to just have seen them in the last four or five years to really come on to be yeah. senior pros almost is quite exciting and it's always good to track names and see where they go. Some some names disappear off the radar pretty quickly, but even you know, there's a lot of guys down who have gone down south. Scottish players have done really well. Who kind of people forget about who've had good professional careers. And uh, yeah, it's just it's always just a pleasure to sit down with these guys and find out about their their stories. I mean, every everyone's got a different a different journey. I guess it's I think with professional sport folk think it's kind of all very structured and, and it is, but they've all come from different backgrounds and things. And I think it's always fascinating to find out what makes different players tick, what makes, you know, what's made them get to where they are. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to see when there's guys that you maybe spoke to 10 years ago. You know, we did a, one of our earliest photo shoots. We did a, Matt Scott was involved when he was at Curry, And then I think two years later, he made a Scotland debut. And it's just quite a, quite a buzz. Not that, you're, not that I'm trying to claim any uh, credit for getting them. <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's just quite nice to see when, when these guys have, have gone on and really fulfilled their dreams. Because it's all very easy for everyone to say, I'm going to play for Scotland. But, some of these guys do go and do it, so it's, uh, that's probably been the the overall the overall highlight, I guess. Yeah. Well, look, if um, if any of the listeners want to sort of follow you on social media and sort of follow your writing, where can they find you? Yeah. So for myself, at g underscore h media on Twitter, and obviously at Scrum Magazine on Twitter as well. Um, if you go on both of those, we try and keep as up to date as possible with the all goings on in Scottish rugby. So yeah, that's. That's where I'm at, and uh, yeah, looking forward to the next next few weeks and months with the European rugby starting, and then obviously the the autumn test, which I think everyone's going to be going to be really buzzing for. So yeah, it's uh, an exciting time. Absolutely great, Luke. Thanks for thanks for coming on, and uh, hopefully speak to you soon. No, at all. Thanks very much, guys. Cheers. Thanks cool. very much. Bye. Well, that was really great. Uh, what did you think about his comments on the Super Six? I know it's something we've talked about quite a lot in the pod. 
Well, I mean, I enjoyed them because I agree with them a lot and things I've said before in the pod. So it's always <laughs> nice to, to have that from, a, from an actual um, got, professional. Just, just increase our echo chamber. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. people that agree with us. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think that the problems are definitely there, particularly um, getting enough players and getting, peop- getting enough funding in so that you can convince people to quit, you know, often quite well-paid jobs to sort of become a professional player. Um, so I'm not sure where the players and the money are coming from. It, I think the other difficulty for anyone um, from the outside is that, and this includes the clubs, is that um, the details are really thin on the ground. So people don't quite know what to sort of plan for. Yeah. It's quite interesting what he's saying about, you know, a few maybe Edinburgh clubs merging, um, which I think makes sense because the player pool in Edinburgh is, is not big enough for as many clubs as there are there. But then I kind of just think of like a Watsonians, Harriet's franchise. It just... How do you like build an identity and just kind of jars with me slightly? Well, I mean, I don't like either of them. It's but. the issue Edinburgh have had. Edinburgh's had as a as a as a professional side, mm. you know, for all, for all this sort of time. But and the same with the borders. Yeah, the border. definitely. It's um, and it kind of feels like it's hard in Edinburgh to have just one club taking on that franchise and being sort of the kind of title holder. Mm, mm. Um, but no, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it, how it plays out. Shall we talk about the pro game? Definitely. There's a lot lot to talk about. As you said, we've been away for two weeks, so we've missed talking about four whole pro games. Real divergence in results. And two two losses against two wins, yeah. Yeah. Should we chat about Glasgow? Try and, remain, try and keep positive. Positive, positive. So, yeah, so talk about Cardiff first. Get that out of the way. Yep. What happened in Cardiff? So it was a 2019 oh, win. It was crap. It was quite bad. It might have been one of the worst games I've ever watched. <laughs> In your view, why was it so bad? I literally can't remember the game. Um, <laughs> it's a good start. Yeah, really great start. I I think Glasgow really, really struggled just to get sort of sort of phases together. I think um, we weren't able to sort of play the game plan, and and I don't know whether it was a tactical decision from um, from the off, but Finn Russell was just doing that thing that always kills me there's those little kicks mm. through whether it's a chip whether it's a grubber and just sort of time after time it just wasn't it wasn't being either executed correctly or it just wasn't the right time to be doing it yeah and it felt very frantic and it also just didn't feel like uh, anyone was really sort of taking the game by the scruff of the neck and leading it which was a bit surprising and you've got a obviously someone like Finn Russell, who is now one of the senior players, mm. got Dunbar at twelve, and you, you, it's not even like you've got Ali Price or George Horn. You've got Henry Pergos, who is, yeah. you know, he has been there. He's been captain. You'd think that he would be really able to sort of take the take the game. I'm saying again, take the game of the scruff of the neck and sort of control it. But there just wasn't really that sort of leadership there. Um, and yeah, so that was that mm. was annoying to see. But again, at the the game this week against Munster really sort of flipped on its head. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting. I, I, I wonder if it's just sort of growing pains of the Rennie style. Um, and I think the thing I've noticed from the two matches is that Glasgow do try and pay, play at like an incredible tempo and pace. Yeah. Rennie's been true to his word. And I think just as the team gets used to that style, they are going to make mistakes. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I do, I do agree with this kind of chipping... Thing, that habit that Russell seems to have. But to be fair, in the Munster game, I think he tried it a lot less. 
And I wonder if Rennie sort of had a word and said, mate, cut that out. Because <laughs> supposedly Re Rennie's thing is that he, he loves to attack from deep. He loves to attack from 22. And he sort of says to his players, well, we'll have a go two or three phases. Yeah. And then if it's not on, we, we can kick for territory. Um, so maybe that's sort of a bit more of a sensible approach to, to run things. And I think the Lee Jones try last week was sort of clearly showed that where they sort of, uh, where they sort of scored a try from the 22, sort mm. of, um, took an opportunity and sort of scored length of the field try. Yeah. I also think that Cardiff Blues, although they've, I think they're bottom of their league, they're actually not as bad as everyone thinks. Like they, I mean, they should have won this game. Shingley yeah. missed that penalty. They they beat Connacht last week away from home. Um, you know, they, they didn't exactly get thrashed by Edinburgh. I think they're actually an okay team. So I think going away to Cardiff Blues, playing like a four out of 10 and winning is, is still, you know, a good outcome. Oh no, absolutely. And I think, um, I think one of the great things from the first four games for Glasgow has been the sort of either emergence or continued improvement of some of the young type five players. And I think against Cardiff Blues, a few of those players did struggle quite massively. Yeah. You know, I think uh, George Turner sort of struggled with his arrows and, um, we were sort of struggling a bit around scrum time. Yeah. And I think that is something that we'll sort of continue to see. But it, what was great was sort of this week, people like Cummings, Turner, Batty, who maybe struggled a bit against Cardiff at home against Munster, absolutely stepped up and really sort of outplayed their opposite men. Yeah, definitely. Um, should, should we move on to talk about that Glasgow game? Because it was the Munster game, sorry? Because it was. Yeah, I'm sort of just a bit all over the shop. No, that's all right. I'm that's not right. Really sticking to the script. That's fine, mate. Don't worry about it. We've, we've lost all our structure since Dave's gone. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, he's got to get that turkey neck sorted. So, the Glasgow Munster game, 37 10 to Glasgow. Bonus point tries from Sarto, Jones, Greg, and Cummings. I mean, how good was that? Yeah. It, it was good, firstly, just because it was an absolute cracking performance, but also because bloody hate Munster. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I think, you know, obviously they had they had the better of us, was it four times last season? Yeah, four and four. And they were all just like very close games. And, you know, obviously there was a the whole thing with like Conor Murray's standing leg where I think Munster were being sort of a bit little babies about <laughs> it. And it was just really good to see just such a mature and sort of dominant performance, what was essentially A, missing a lot of players and B, quite a young young team. Um, and I think we've got to talk about old Sarto. Like, oh, mate. How, how is he a free agent? Like, he's an absolute beast of a man. He just seems to... He doesn't look that big. Like, he looks a bit kind of skinny. He, he, look, he, he does not look like a rugby player. No, not at all. But he's an incredible athlete. Like, yeah. And I quite like you saw different sides of him that you saw for the, his first try, or his try, sorry. It was a really nice in and out off a really nice pass and piece of horn. And then the next, the one that he set up for Cummings was just a complete bludgeoning through like seven defenders. I haven't seen anything like that sort of for a long, long time. John Lomu, mate. <laughs> yeah, well, the Luigi Lomu. Um, he played really well. Um, I thought the other guys that impressed me, Calm Gibbons once again, just looking like a complete player like bloody physical does the dirty work can carry can tackle yeah great lid as well i mean it's a horrific lid <laughs> but do you think it's helped him that he's just come straight from the from super rugby season so 
he's just at that fitness level. Yeah. Bit. He's kind of got had the contact for a long period of time and actually he might just peter off at the end of the season just because it's he's, he's going to end up playing probably something in the region of sort of 16 months of cons- constant rugby. Yeah, I could see that. And it's, I don't think... I think he's started... Well, he's not starting against Benton Treviso. So maybe they're going to have to manage him a bit. Um, but yeah, no, he he does look very fit at the moment. It's his all it's his all round game that is just uh, really spectacular. It's you know tackling, rucking, good good over the ball. Yep, making yep. a lot of turnovers. And then when he sort of like opened up, he's, he's not a slow man. Just an incredible athlete. Yeah, right? I know. Um, and you know, I think already he's sort of becoming a bit of like a fan favorite. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, Russell gets the plaudits. We know what he can do. Um, I think Ali Price did a pretty game, good game as well. But another guy who stood out in the forwards to me was, was Scott Cummings, who's been really impressive throughout the whole start of the season, actually. Um, local boy come good, running off with a nice little try. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Scott Cummings is starting again this weekend. And mm. very quickly, do you know who are the two other players who will also have started the first five games for Glasgow? The first five. Yeah, Cummings and two others. Uh, Jackson. Yeah. And... Friend of the pod. Lee Jones. Lee Jones. Oh, all, really? All, only three players to start the first five games. Interesting. If you'd <laughs> to asked me at the back end of last season or told me that Scott Cummings would start the first five games of, mm. for the Glasgow Warriors this season and would not look out of place yeah, and would actually be putting in just like super consistent performance like it feels to me like he's actually stepped ahead of big brian in the pecking order. yeah definitely um and greg and greg, greg yeah pearson's been playing for mar i think yeah um and so it's i know it, and i think it's absolutely great i he kind of remind he's almost some sort of cross i think between johnny gray and richie gray yeah so it probably isn't as good in like the real tight as johnny gray um and he's maybe not as athletic as Richie Gray, but he's almost sort of kind of a little cross between the two of them. And I think he only seems mm. to be get. I think he struggled a little bit against the Blues um, sort of a week and a half ago. But yeah, he's he's absolutely storming. And it's sort of, obviously he's a young guy. He's um, he's able to pl- just sort of keep playing week in, week out and just stamping his sort of authority and making it. I mean, Johnny Gray is going to come back in. Yeah, sure. But I think he's fighting with Tim Swinson for that second that second I think spot. On, I think on, on form at the moment you you pick Cummings. Um I think he's still, you know, he's still young as well. I think sometimes he looks a bit lightweight, but he's got time to fill out. Um yeah. and even like, you know, someone like Tim Swinson isn't the biggest of locks, but has sort of made a virtue of being a bit more mobile, playing six occasionally as well. So maybe that's sort of the role that he'll he'll grow into, but I think he's got the size to kind of or the shape to potentially become like a kind of a Richie or a Johnny Gray, so yeah, I've been really, really impressed by him. The I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it, and you're gonna fight against me. I think I know what you're gonna say, but go for it. I'm liking the look of Rui Jackson. Oh, I didn't know that was your, what you're gonna say. What did you think I was gonna say? I thought you were gonna go really negative and be like, yeah, but this is a rubbish monster team, which is what I was gonna say. I mean, which, it, to be fair, looking at it now, it is rubbish. <laughs> let's start. Let's start with monster. Yeah, they were a bit. They were a bit rubbish. I mean, they don't have Conor Murray. They don't have Simon Zebo. Uh, they don't have um, I mean, Zebo came off the bench. Omani, he did look rubbish. But don't have Omani. Um, even like Yako Tauta wasn't starting. But I think I think and I, I think the thing is, Munster have never had that much in attack. Mm. They've they've really just sort of almost 
battered and bullied yeah. Glasgow in the past, especially in that I know obviously there were sort of special circumstances because it was post-Anthony Foley's death, but especially in that first game um, at Tolman Park, they literally just bullied them off the yeah. park. Yeah. And I think once Munster realised that they weren't going to be able to do that, they literally didn't have anything else to offer. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, but yes, Munster were not particularly good. Yeah. But let's move on to your new crush, Rory Jackson. He's, he's my man. <laughs> he is my man. I think. Look, I, to be honest, I like I like having him and Peter Horn in the team because I do like having that second receiver. Mm. And I think Rory Jackson. You know, he's not Stuart Hogg. He's not Blair Kinghorn. He's not cutting lines yeah, yeah. and making sort of 80 meter breaks but he's got a good boot and he's he's great at coming in at second receiver yeah yeah and sort of really sort of widening the play um and i think him and and i think with him and peter horn it just gives such width to glasgow's game and i think that's something that dave rennie specifically really really likes and i think stuart hall can play that role as well yeah yeah definitely um but it's just, I think having Rui Jackson there has actually added something to Glasgow's game this year. And I think especially when Hogg is away, it's really great that he's sort of like coming into that role at 15. I mean, I give him a little shit. But I, I mean, I think he is a, a pretty clever signing in terms of... He, oh, he's a he, clever signing now, is he? Well, no, I think he is in terms of like, you know, they needed a backup 15. He probably won't get caught up by Scotland. And if he does, he's probably not going to be playing. So he can play yeah. most weeks. He's already been playing a lot. Um, he's good for sort of like the international weekends when you're playing sort of like a weekend team and stuff. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see when it comes to the crunch because I think his <laughs> it men- mentally he's not that strong. Um, well, I think that's true. Okay, he's cool. a little you know. Anyway, anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, from the sublime to the pretty poor, shall we talk about Edinburgh rugby? Yeah. Um, so just to give the context for everyone who didn't see, Edinburgh managed to conspire to lose at home to Benetton Treviso. They did. Although, shall we say that Benetton Treviso possibly weren't aren't as bad as we initially thought they were, seeing as they beat Ospreys last week? Possibly. Edinburgh were 14 nil up and cruising. And I'm sorry, you just... It's pretty unforgivable, I think. Yeah, and I think... I think it is. Un- I think it is unforgivable, um, especially because I think at the start they looked actually, actually pretty good. Yeah, and I actually look at that and I think, with the exception of maybe like Nathan Files and Rizzo, and maybe another second row, it's kind of their best team. Yeah, Particularly, it's good pack. Um, and I, I look at the Benton Treviso team and fair play to them; they won the game. They were doing well, but there's no sort of high school names in there. What to- Tommy Allen? Tommy Allen Scottish and legend. who else? Ian McKinley, the Irish guy who has to wear goggles. No offence, Ian McKinley. <laughs> Jesus, mate, that's harsh. Um, look, I think I, I don't think it's worth sort of going into this game too much. I think uh, Edinburgh had the win, and they sort of just seemed to completely just take their foot off the gas. And before they knew it, they were behind, and obviously they were pretty close at the end to sort of take taking the win. Mm. Um, and I think you've just got to take it as this is, this is the sort of thing that this is a blip and it's the sort of thing that's going to happen. And as Cockrell was saying, you know, this is this is a three year job, not yeah. a, 
not a four or five on job and I think there is going to be other losses like this over the season yeah maybe we just sort of had some false confidence and hope installed by the the first two games and shouldn't have been that surprised really I know it's but I'm, yeah. up, I'm upset that I let myself yeah, get exactly. positive. Yeah, it's the classic feeling of the Scottish rugby fan. Um, you know, once again, I liked Cockrell's response to it. He was like, "This is unacceptable." He um, dropped Damien Hoyland all the way to playing for Barmier last yeah. weekend, and they asked him why, and he went, "Played poorly." Like yeah. a, a lot of people would say, "Oh, he's got to find his fitness or whatever." Like find his form, played poorly, um, and yeah, I mean, I think that. It's disappointing. I think there's just like old feelings of like complacency and like mental weakness. Just classic example, really. No, no, and I think I think you're completely right. Um, and I think when we look on sort of the second game, sort of the Scarlets, I think well, a 28-8 mm. loss. Um, obviously, Scarlets Pro 14 champions. Until Rizzo got got sent off. Quite rightly. Uh, I didn't think about by the letter of the law. By it's probably a red the card. Letter of the law, possibly. I don't know. It was, it was. I don't think he really knew what was going on. I think he just went flying in, didn't he? Yeah. You just can't hit the head well, these I days. I think it's the sort of thing that happens sixty times in a game. It's just he hits. It probably, yeah, it probably happens at the bottom of a rock, but this is above it and yeah, visible. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Scarlets are a good team, and actually for. For a lot of that game, I think we were sort of mm. um, keeping sort of toe for toe with them. I think it was probably the best I've seen Magnus Bradbury pay, play since he's been made captain. It mm-hmm. feels like he's sort of good to see that he's sort of come out after Edinburgh have had such a sort of low game the week before, and he's um, kind of lead, leading the team like that. And I think the ch- chances are we're going to sort of probably lose lose to Leinster again um, tomorrow. Probably, Angles. So there's enough hope there. Do you think? Well, I mean, it was interesting that Cockrell said, you know, we, we lost by 20 points, whatever it was, but I'm far happier than last week against Benton yeah. Treviso. And I think, like, from what I watched of it, particularly the defence was actually pretty strong. Like, the the work rate was really good. And then, I mean, two of the tries, one was crossing and wasn't even referred. And the other one, it was potentially a forward pass and once again wasn't referred. So you kind of take yeah. them away. You take away the red card. And I mean, you know, you can say all these things, but I think it actually begins to look a lot closer than it, than it was. Um, and I mean, yeah, I think there is, I think you're right. I think there's enough to go on. I think there's enough guys who are playing fairly well. Yeah. I think one guy who I think has maybe had like a bit of an international hangover is Hamish Watson. Yes. Who I don't think has really been playing... He he's sort of been subbed in and out with um, John Hardy, but he doesn't seem to have really captured that like carrying that he's done before, or um, the sort of destructive work at at, at the breakdown. Um, something something that I've just sort of, I sort of noticed in the past few weeks. No, I agree. I think what he's played he played Scarlets and then I think he played Dragons um, yeah. in the second game, and you know I think if you compare to sort of early season last year where. He was just out, out of that whole Edinburgh team was just standing out as a star performer, and actually in these sort of first two games, he's re- he's really been a sort of outshone by Jamie Ritchie and Magnus Bradbury. Yeah, it's quite surprising, really. You wouldn't have said that at the start of the season. I know it's very strange that I would say out of that group of four of Ritchie, Bradbury, Hardy, and Watson, 
it's it's really Watson and Hardy that have sort of struggled, yeah. struggled a little yeah. bit at the start of the season. And Richie and Bradbury, these two sort of young kind of um, Scottish loose forwards, have really seemed to be. I mean, especially Richie, he's come absolute, absolutely yeah, he, flying yeah, at the start of the he's season. Done very well this season. Um, I've really been sort of setting it out, and I think you're right. I think Hamish Watson needs to sort of get back into that into that form that he was mm. doing last year. Yeah, and same for Cornell Dupree. Cornell well. Dupree is a bit of an enigma. Like so ah. much ability and skill, but he just doesn't seem. He never seems quite fit enough for that. He's really sort of as bothered as other players. No, I I agree. He kind of. There'll be certain times in matches where he just looks like he wishes he was out in Bloemfontein just having yeah. a couple of cans of Castle Lager. Like, what am I doing here <laughs> in Myerside? Um, but no, I think, should we chat about the Edinburgh game this weekend? They've released their team. Not yep. the strongest team we've ever seen. Do you, do you think that he's thrown it? Or not thrown it, but sort of is resting his stronger players for more winnable matches? Um, let's go through the back line, firstly. Because I just think, I mean, Hidalgo, Klein and Tovey, you can get, like, they're your, at least two of your four halfbacks that you want to rotate. Yeah. Doogie Fife has come into the game again, into the picture again, but is still in the seventh squad. James Johnson, like, has barely ever played for Edinburgh. I see him as a pure sevens player. He's like 27 now. Yeah. I don't really get that. And then it seems as if with someone like Glenn Bryce, he didn't play the whole season. He's playing for Watsonians and yeah. is now starting at 15 against Leinster away. Seems a bit odd. It does If it does seem like a very a weak team to be taking if you're wanting to really get the win at Leinster away. I, but I was trying to think, has Christine got an injury? Someone's tweeted that today. I, d- I don't know. He's not in the 23 at all, so... Because I guess without think Christine so. and Mark Bennett, who is there at 13 to play? Oh, Froon's on the bench. Oh, yeah, fuck. Maybe he's been thought of as a 12, though. I don't but know. He's played 13. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. he could play th- he's played most of his rugby at 13. No, it's interesting. I mean, you look at the bench and you've got Blair Kinghorn and Robbie Froon. So yeah. there's obviously been a decision to, uh, to, to rest some of the stronger players. But then you've got Jamie Ritchie, who's been arguably your best player, and like Grant Gilchrist. Stuart McAnally, who he seems to really like, so it's a bit of a funny one. No, it, it is relatively strange, and um, I did actually, but no Edinburgh player has played every game this season. That's interesting. There, there, there hasn't been one player that's played all five games. So obviously, Cockrell sort of seeing this at, yeah. at that rotation. Yeah. Um, I think McAnally is one of the few players that's played four games this mm. season. Okay. Um, so especially in that four pack, he does feel like he's rotating a lot of those guys. You can yeah. have five or six in the back row, three or four in that row, and um, and they're struggling in the front row now as well. Yeah, definitely. Predictions? I can't say anything, but uh, a I console mean, Leinster win. And one of the one of the issues really is that Leinster kind of gone out to South Africa and been a little bit embarrassed by the cheetahs. Yeah, that we. Boy, revenge. I think that after probably the Kings game, I watched a bit of it, and to be fair. Cheetahs did look pretty sweet. They were quite handy, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, they were. Pr- they were actually pretty good. It looked like a good game, actually. Yeah, overall, it, it did look like a really good game. But it, it feel it feels like Leinster at the RDS post loss with a slightly weakened team. I mean, could be on the end of a a, a rel- I don't think they're going to get absolute an absolute hiding because I just don't think that that pack will 
well, I think yeah. that pack is too good for them to get completely destroyed, but I think Leinster could be taking home a bonus point win. Yeah, I think you're right. And Warriors have Benetton Treviso, the Conquerors of Edinburgh, at home. <sighs> it's a banana skin. It is a banana skin now, isn't it? And it's a real one. I think nine changes, they said. Yeah, nine changes. It's still a strong team, though. Got Tommy Seymour playing at home for the first time. Um, got Ryan Wilson back at eight. Scott Cummings, Big Brian. At the same time, though, you do have Rob Harley at six and Chris Fazaro and Darcy Ray and Alex Allen and Pete Horn at 10 and Sam Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're all they're all like good players in their own right, but yeah, maybe it's a bit of a risk to rest all these guys. Uh, yeah. And I mean, you've got, you do, you do have a bit of strength on the, on the bench with, the thing is, you've got Ali Price, Brandon Thompson, and Nick Matuallo. They're not the players you want to be bringing on to control a game. Control a game if it's tight. If it's tight, so no, it'll be interesting to see see how we do. But obviously, Rennie has enough faith, has enough faith in sort of the depth of the squad, and you know, with the European games coming up, I think it's something we've got to do. Mm. Um, great to see Fraser Brown. Yeah, really good. Really keen to see if he obviously. I think George Turner has been one of the sort of re- revelations of the mm. of the season so far. But when Fraser Brown is hitting form, he is definitely a destructive force. Yeah. Um. I. I mean, look. I think Glasgow are too good. Yeah. And they should get a, get a four point. Nick Gregg, Tommy Seymour, Rue Jackson, Pete Horn. These guys know how to. These guys know how to win. Yeah, definitely. It, it is Benetton Treviso. Uh, yeah, we, you don't want to get ahead of yourself because this is what we said about Edinburgh, but Edinburgh and Glasgow are very different propositions. Yeah. So I I, just, I quite want just them to like get to a comfortable score and then bring on Nico Matuelo. His like, home return. Nico was so... I mean, the thing about Nico against Cardiff is he like came on and I, he was quite shit because he dropped the ball most of the time. But even then, you could still see how good he can be yeah like yeah. when he gets the ball it, it, I think he's one of the best in the world for being able to just find space yeah do something completely out of the ordinary um, but no I would love I would love to see him come on at fullback that is something I would only, want to see only if it's not a tight game if he came on at fullback if it was tight oh but my god you'd lose <laughs> absolute shambles um, um, and then yeah so cause, I mean we've only got what four weeks till autumn international or f- five weeks till autumn internationals now yeah that's right yeah so yeah Some pretty big matches then yeah Europe European rugby and that and then so yeah looking forward yeah, to it lot to look forward to um anything else or no I didn't make a quiz because obviously it'd be weird it'd be quite weird just to <laughs> <laughs> just yeah let's let's not even go there <laughs> um but thanks so much for listening guys um, Dave should be back next week so you won't have just the two of us um, nattering on the whole time um, but once again make sure to leave us a review on iTunes and check us out on Twitter and hopefully we'll be chatting to you after two good pro team wins at the weekend thanks guys thanks tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts good news Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. 
That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.